On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. So the whole idea behind the post was more about learning exactly what it takes to make a healthy relationship work and learning the way that we have been conditioned in society as Black men and Black women as well and learning the impact of influence and being able to submit to each other's needs, keyword to each other's needs versus always seeking confrontation as an agent of change because that just does not work. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. All right, lady. Today we have a very special guest for you. So you are going to want to grab your man, grab your partner. Have one of your black homeboys tune in because it's about to go down, okay? Max Daly Cazzo is a licensed mental health counselor with a specialization in couples therapy, and he's the owner of Therapy is for Everyone Counseling. Mac also specializes in affair recovery, porn addiction, and bringing the baby home. Mac has been featured on a number of mainstream platforms, sharing his expertise around healthy relationships and Black love. Mac is a Gottman Level 3 trained Gottman therapist and is on track to become the first Black male Gottman certified therapist on the East Coast, y'all. All right now, Mac. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space. Thank you for having me. This was a great introduction. Thank you again. You're welcome. We're so excited for this conversation. Yes, we are. And so we are going to start with the quote of the day, which, Mac, will sound really familiar to you because, like we said in the pre-show, we have been all up in your social media and we have really been paying attention to the work that you're doing. And so this quote of the day is your words. A balanced and healthy relationship requires both men and women to unlearn toxic masculinity and expectations and instead learn to accept influence and submit to one another. Now, I'm going to drop that right there, and then I'm going to say it again for the people in the back because somebody didn't hear this, and they need to hear it. A balanced and healthy relationship requires both men and women 
to unlearn toxic masculinity and expectations and instead learn to accept influence and submit to one another. Ooh, Mac. That was good, right? Yes. That was good. Yes. Out the gate, hitting them with the good stuff. The good old days when I was back in my prime on IG. (laughs) I'm semi-retired now. (laughs) Well, if folks follow you on IG, then they know that you are still putting out good content. But when you think about this quote Mm -hmm. and what you meant by it, can you tell us more? Because I know when I was looking through this, that there was more to it than just this one statement. Can you share with our audience what inspired this statement? I actually remember exactly where I was when, when I wrote that. I was in the locker room of the gym. In my local gym, gym a number of people do, do not know that I am a therapist, while some know, right? So when, when I entered, it was just a conversation that was happening in front of me. I was like... This is not okay. Like, as black men, because it was a whole bunch of black men, just like me, just saying the darnest things and sounding very toxic and not being aware on how they continue to contribute to the cycle of trauma that us black people tend to experience in intimate relationships. So the whole idea behind the post was more about learning exactly what it takes to make a healthy relationship work and learning the way that we have been conditioned in society as Black men and Black women as well and learning the impact of influence and being able to submit to each other's needs, keyword to each other's needs versus always seeking confrontation as an agent of change because that just does not work. Ooh, that was a mouthful right there. And that S word, right? That gets people up in arms. That submit word. So we wanted to dive back into that in a little bit. But Matt, first tell us, what is your origin story? How did you begin <laughs> your journey and work as a therapist, a black male therapist? Like what? A unicorn, right? It seems like. Right. There's only 4% of us, right? I think. Yeah. It's a, it's uh, a really small number. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it all started mainly in in college, I've always been curious in the world of, in the world of f- philosophy and psychology. I wanted to understand why did I do the things that I did, right? Why do we behave in the manner that we do? And I've always been interested in dating. What, whether it was back in high school, just have, having a book full full of pickup lines and just trying them out during lunch, or in college, just trying to understand how to navigate the dating world. So I've always been in that space. And then eventually I got into a relationship with my now wife. We've been together for about 10 years now. And I was in grad school for mental health. But in my relationship, I was looking for answers that no one else could give me. I would go to the older males, like, bruh, just be single, man. You don't need this. You're a young man just from the streets. I'll go to others in relationships. They were, their relationship was even more toxic than mine, so they couldn't help as well, right? Went through the spiritual guides in, in my vicinity. They also couldn't give me answers. So eventually, I, I took an elective course on marriage and family, and I was in, introduced to the Gottman approach. And that's where I found my answers. It was scientifically based. It was not an opinion. It was not a perspective. It was science. 
And that day I was introduced to a few interventions. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I took those interventions. I drove from Brooklyn to all the way to Long Island. So that's about an hour drive to my girlfriend's house because we were in the midst of a breakup because I just didn't know how to be the man that she needed or how to cultivate a culture of appreciation within our relationship. I didn't know better, right? So I took these interventions. I drove to her. We sat down in the car for three hours and we just went over everything. And after seeing how it worked, I'm like, okay, cool. I got the answers. Now I'm going to use my privilege as a black man to have access to all of this information that we're not previewed to. And I'm going to bring it back to the neighborhood. I'm going to bring it back to my people. So that's what started my route as a black male couples therapist. Now, lady, you know, this is a grown woman podcast, okay? And chances are, if you're an avid listener, you know we get a little blatchet over here. We get bougie, classy, and we get ratchet. So today's sponsor should not come as a surprise. Uber Lube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little bit of vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes the skin. Lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether alone or with a partner. And if you're going to lubricate, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality body-safe ingredients and nothing beats Uber Lube. Y'all, I done tested this out myself and let me tell you, it's A1, okay? It's great for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, or anal. There's no flavor or scent. It's latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. And Uber Lube even works underwater, making it great for fun in pools, hot tubs, the bathtub, all that good stuff, okay? Right now, Uber Lube is offering Cultivating Her Space listeners a special offer, 10% off and free shipping when you use our code HERSPACE at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use code HERSPACE at U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. I got, I got a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, I don't do couples work. I, I stay Why away not? from couples work. <laughs> you trying to get paid? Oh, that's a real question. You're right. That's a real question. I don't do couples work, but I did take a marriage and family therapy class. And yes, that Gottman method is the truth. The Bible. It is. The Michael Jordan of couples therapy. It does wonders. And so can you, for the folks who don't know, because I mean. I was about to say, yeah, come on, therapist. Y'all like, about to say, right. y'all talking. Y'all about to school me. Y'all let me know. We can vibe out and talk about it. But like, for the folks who aren't therapists or who haven't been to couples therapy, can you tell them what the Gottman method is? Oh, yes. It's the cheat code. I've been with my wife going on 10 years now. We haven't had a conflict in over five to seven years. We've had disagreements, but we've never had a conflict, right? Differences are guaranteed. Disagreements are guaranteed. A conflict is optional. A conflict is your inability to communicate effectively. So which relates directly back to the Gottman approach. They studied couples for 40 years. 40 40, 40 years, right? I got a chance to meet them in person and shake their hand and actually have lunch with them and actually, you know, go over their research. It's research-based, it's been tested, and it's practical. 
It's simple. You want to learn how to communicate. Here's what you don't do. Here's what you do instead. One, two, three. It's the most practical, simplified approach to couples therapy because it focuses on skills. That's it. It's not a referee. They're not telling you what to do, what not to do. It's like, here's what you need in order to function in a healthy relationship. Because if you think about it, right, we all learn how, how to drive, right? We have to go to school for our profession. We have to go through a certain phase of getting knowledge for whatever that we have to do. But when it comes to relationship, for some reason, we just feel like there's no education that needs to take place. And believe it or not, choosing a partner will be the mo- the biggest decision you will make in your life. So it's very important that you educate yourself on how to cultivate a relationship that's going to last a lifetime. That's powerful. I'm just taking in everything you, that you just shared. So just don't mind us with the silence. I think I'm just processing because <laughs> this is new for me. But Mac, we're seeing an increase. We're going to probably come back to the Gottman in a little bit. In a little bit, but we're seeing an increase in the number of Black men going to therapy. Right? What can we do to encourage Black men in our lives who could benefit from therapy but are hesitant to go or don't think they need to go, or maybe they've had a bad experience with someone before and they're like, "No, that that old." Therapist, I went mm-hmm. to that didn't work out, so I'm done. You know what I mean? What can we yeah. do? So I, I would say that the increase of black men going going to therapy has a lot to do with black male representation being in that space, right? Seeing a black man that looks like you, that talks like you, who got braids, who's wearing Jordans to the sessions, right? Who's listening to hip hop, who is comfortable with you and understand your nuances helps disarm the concept of therapy, makes it more comfortable, makes you feel seen and makes you feel heard to a higher level. And for couples in general, I would say that the biggest hurdle to men coming to therapy is making the appointment. So a lot of times, like I would get emails or, or, or phone calls from the female partner saying, hey, we want therapy, but I'm not sure if he's going to be interested in it. Now I'll say, book the session and let me do what I do, right? Which is engagement. What, we, what I've seen is that once the session starts and they feel that's, that, that space is safe and it's comfortable and it's catered and they're being heard and listened to, now they're more interested in being present because for the first time in their life, they have someone that's listening to what they're saying. I've had, I would say on average, by session four or five, 90% of these black men are crying in session because it's the first time they're being heard. You're also teaching them how to recognize their emotions, how to put it in words, right? You know, when when I ask, how how was your week? It was good. What does good mean? So let's define that, right? And also teaching and coaching their partner on how to create a space where they where these men can be heard, right? Not jumping in when they are sharing what they have to say. Learning how to validate, learning how to summarize what they have shared, and at the end asking them, "Hey, do you feel understood?" Keyword: Do you feel understood? Yes. If no, what did I miss? Right. So now I, I feel like us black. 
Black male therapists who are playing a pivotal part in changing the narrative around Black men and creating a new gen- generation of Black men that are better able to communicate, identify their feelings, and being prone to share their emotional state and their emotional expressions where they can be heard, listened to, and validated. And I think that's what's going to change the cycle that we have been experiencing. That's so powerful. Yes, that is. And so speaking of that cycle that we've been experiencing, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people might call that cycle toxic masculinity. Correct. And so can you tell us, for those who aren't familiar or who need clarification on what it really is, because sometimes we see that words in mental health and psychology get tossed around in pop culture oh, and yes. get misused, right? Oh, yes. So, so can you clear up for the folks, what is toxic masculinity and how can Black men define masculinity for themselves? You started to talk about this in your previous answer. Can we elaborate that on that a little bit more? Yes. So, What's my definition of toxic masculinity without Googling it, right? Um, I would say is taking advantage of the way that society is catered to men and using those advantages to continue to oppress women, to continue to label, to continue to verbally, physically, sexually, spiritually attack women instead of taking accountability for our parts in the demise of healthy relationships nowadays, right? So to me, I think that us us men need to do a better job of defining masculinity, not about being hard or being gangster or being an F-boy or having no emotions, but creating a space where we can actually be honest, where we can be vulnerable, when we can share what we're going through, where, where it's okay to cry. And it's okay to ask for help. And what I found is those changes happen in relationships. Because if if you think about it, in the world, as a man, your job is to be a breadwinner. It's to become the man, right? The top dog. Because out there in society is survival of the fittest. So therefore, you have tunnel vision when it comes to your career. How can I earn more? How can I increase my social status? How can, how can I become a powerful man? But in reality, when you enter a relationship, you have to do the complete opposite of that. Your tunnel vision ain't going to work here. Being emotionally guarded or emotionally distant, distant is not going to cut it in a relationship. You actually have to be emotionally available. You have to be able to express your emotions. You have to be able to share feelings, all of the things that in the world that are not welcomed. So a lot of time, the transformation for most men happen in a healthy relationship. Because by me talking to you and feeling safe around you, I can start to take off those masks. I can start to undo my, uncond- my conditioning. I, 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 I can start to, to remove the cape that I'm forced to carry out in society. It's the first time where I can be emotionally naked, where I can actually hold me. Right? Where I can cry in your arms and feel safe doing so. And for you not to weaponize that 
vulnerability against me. So it's a two-part. One is the men taking those steps, but secondly is for their partner to also know how to respond when those steps are being taken, how to champion it, how to encourage it versus weaponizing it. That is so on point. And I totally understand where you're coming from. My next question, as you were saying that, is I think about what some women may have been taught growing up. And I'm sure you've heard this, Mac, in your work. And Dom, you probably have too, where it's like the women sometimes, right? This is a stereotype, but some women want a bad boy, right? But you want them to open up and be vulnerable. But how can a woman be equipped? And this is, of course, in a heterosexual relationship, right? How can a woman be equipped to support a man being vulnerable when she's always been taught that I need my man to be strong and he needs to be, you know, macho and all that. They want the bad boy. They want the, you know, the r- kind of roughneck guy, but how can she want him to be vulnerable? How do we handle that disconnect of wanting him to be vulnerable, but then not knowing how to handle it when he is vulnerable, right? Yes. That's a great question, right? And we should also demystify that because in a lot of ways, when a woman say, I want a bad boy, what she's really saying is, I need a man that that can make me feel safe in his presence. If anything were to happen, it can protect me, right? Yes. When a woman say, I need a man that's six feet tall, because that's their definition of safety. Someone who's taller than me appears stronger than me, so they can protect me. I need a man that's making six figures, that's financially stable. That's what that means to me, because in my experiences, I may have dealt with past partners that have taken advantage of me financially, or I was raised in a household where the finances were very low, so I never felt safe, and that created traumatic experiences for me, right? So a lot of times as therapists, what we find ourselves doing is decoding what people are saying and paying attention to what they're not really saying, right? So in in, in response to all of that and now being able to ask for your partner to be vulnerable, you also have to lead with vulnerability. I'm big on influence. I'm big on submission, right? I I know for a fact that you can create a healthy relationship once you learn how to be influential versus confrontational. You can get the, your desired behaviors by influence, meaning confrontation is arguing. It's yelling and screaming it's all of the toxic. Can I curse here? Do you guys curse? It's all of the toxic please, bullshit. Please. Yes. It's all of the to- toxic bullshit that you tend to see and, and experience, right? While influence is more about being strategic on how you share what you need to share versus saying, mm. hey, you did not clean the bathroom. You said you were going to do it. You are very selfish and you never do what you say you're going to do, I can't trust you, your mama's bored, blah, 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 blah. Versus, hey, (laughs) lately I've been overwhelmed with the household responsibilities. It was agreed upon that you would take care of the bathroom, but you didn't have a chance to do that. And that has let me feeling frustrated. So this weekend, could you please prioritize taking care of the bathroom for me? That would mean a lot to me. Confrontational versus influence. One leads to ongoing conflict. One leads to, you know what? I heard you. My apologies. I'll do it right now. Right? Skills is the difference between those that make it to the NBA and those that are at the park bawling out every Saturday. Ooh. 
you are dropping so much knowledge for our listeners out there. And so we're going to switch up the energy in a bit. But I have another question for you. Talk to so me. in in your work as a couples therapist, what has been the most transformative thing you've seen tra- like between partners? Ooh, you're going to hate me for that one. Is your audience mainly women or men? Mainly black women. Okay, ladies. I'm going to talk to you right now. Oh, come on. The we best ready? and strongest okay. relationships are born out of infidelity. I wish they could see Uh-oh. our faces right now. <laughs> and here's why. Right? Ooh. A Ooh. lot of times the infidelity forces the couple to have the conversations that they needed to have but never had. Right? It brings a lot of things to the surface. That's a reality check. Oh, we're not as happy as I thought. Oh, the fights that we've been having that we've never solved, the therapy that we never went through, that we postponed has led to all of this. Now you are forced to have these uncomfortable conversations where your partner is saying, hey, I don't feel love. I don't feel appreciated. Hey, intimacy is lacking. Hey, I no longer feel safe. Hey, you're not present. You're working too much, right? It forces them to have to face the reality and then build a stronger relationship in which they are more attuned to each other's needs and each other's presence. Now they're paying more attention. Now they're talking more, right? Now, when something is going wrong, they're able to label it and address it versus sweeping it under the rug just to keep the peace. So in my work, I have seen relationships that have been coasting for an amount of time and then infidelity happens and now they're forced to do the work. They do the work, go through the process and then create a relationship 2.0. Not the previous relationship, but a much more improved and safer and stronger relationship. And I tend to remind people that infidelity is not the, 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 the disease. Infidelity is the symptom of a bigger problem, right? Because we tend to say infidelity led to the divorce. No, 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 no. Infidelity is the symptom to the bigger issue in the relationship that was never addressed. That actually makes perfect sense. I'm glad you were so transparent and honest with us here. That makes sense. (laughs) And this conversation is getting so good, but we Mm -hmm. do want to shift up the energy. So we're going to come back to this topic. So lady, you got to stay tuned for the rest of this. But Mac, we do want to shift up the energy. And because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie, classy, and ratchet, and you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music, right? Facts. We want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. So do you take on the challenge? Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. So now that he's agreed, we're going to tell him what to expect. So (laughs) we are going to ask you three questions. We're going to share three sentence completions. And then we have three photos pulled up of you that we didn't find oh. on social media. Oh. <laughs> we found on social media. And we want you to choose a number out of one and three. And then three. we're going to show you that photo in about two minutes. We'll show you the photo. And then you 
we want you to give us more context about the photo. So tell us what's something about the photo we wouldn't know. And the pictures that we chose, they are good. Okay, so you got to wait for this one. But we're going to jump into the questions first, Max. So the first question we have for you is, what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? It could be on any topic, not necessarily couples counseling or relationships. Best piece of wisdom or advice? I'd love your partner every day. Every day oh, I, 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 I wake up, I, I look at her like, I'm going to love you today. Like, you don't, you, know, you don't even know what's about to happen, girl. You're about to fall right back in love again. Every day. That is it. beautiful. I love it. That yes. is so beautiful. Yes. All right. So this next question, I have four words for you. Twerk or two-step? Twerk. What you mean? Come on, man. Lust. Hey. Lust is as important as love, right? Lust creates intensity. It creates Ooh. the fire as well as distance. You, As your relationship grows, you need to learn to develop new eyes for your partner. Never allow the fun, the joy, the ratchetness, the lust to disappear. You better preach on this evening, okay? Now, the next question, the final question we have for you before we move into the sentence completions is, what's the sexiest item you own? My mind. Because my mind, everything comes from my mind. So if I put my mind to it on being romantic or on being aggressive or whatever the case it be, will allow me to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And my wife is one who craves conversation philosophical convo so coming up with ideas and bringing it to her it's is our role play that is beautiful we i don't think we've ever had that answer either right i love it Mm -mm. come on all right now I, i i love it i love it so now we're moving to the sentence completion so mac one question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is how much pornography is destructive to all relationships. So interesting, Mac, because our next sentence completion happens <laughs> to be what I would tell people about pornography and how it relates to the destruction of relationships is to develop a healthy relationships, not a codependence on pornography. What is the difference? I'm sorry, we got to hop into a question real quick because I need <laughs> to know what is the difference between, yeah. So I would say, well, it's, it's the same concept with social media, right? The, the way that it can impact your brain and rewire, it, rewire, rewire your brain. Pornography is a tool. You do not allow pornography to use you as a tool. You use pornography as a tool. So now when you start engaging too much pornography, you develop a codependence on pornography to the point where you may choose pornography over being active with your partner, where you'll create fights just so you can generalize your use of pornography. And also how pornography, one, is not ethical because the women that, that are involved at times are forced to be in those things. Two, it's not realistic. It's catered to the men's desire and brain. So so you're not even engaging in pornography that's conducive to a partnered relationship. Right? So, yeah. 
have a healthy relationship and boundaries around relationship as a couple and never allow yourself to become codependent on pornography. I appreciate that explanation. So it's not saying that pornography is bad and that we shouldn't use it, but it's how to have a healthy relationship with it. Yes. Make make sure you're watching ethical pornography where the pleasure is distributed for both men and women. Right. There's, there's a lot of sites where you have to pay for the pornography. So therefore it makes it more ethical. And also, if you're a man, you want to watch pornography that's catered to women because it's teaching you how to please a woman versus you just looking at something bouncing as speaking directly to your needs as a man and that you cannot recreate in your bedroom. Ooh, that I love it. I appreciate that. So last sentence completely back. What I love most about myself is... My ability to be present not only for my wife, for my two little girls. Being a father has been the most fulfilling thing ever. Like, I feel full. I don't need nothing else from the world. No other validation. Just hearing daddy from my two girls is the greatest feeling any man could ever have. So I would say being being a bit of father and being a husband is what I am destined and looking forward to continuing. That's so beautiful. I was going to say, you're going to hear us say this a bunch, but I love that. Right. That's so, <laughs> so amazing. Okay. So Mac, we have some photos pulled up and oh, I really want to, sh- I want to show them all, but I know we said we're only going to show one. So what we want you to do is choose a number out of one and three. You already said three. And let's this is three. a pretty, let's do three. Okay. So I'm going to screen share. Now, some people are only tuned into the audio. So if you can describe the photo and then give us the context behind the photo. Oh my goodness. These photos are hard to choose from, but we're going to go with number three because you chose three. So this is number three. How did you even oh do this? What is this? What's happening? <laughs> I was, I, I was in my prime. <laughs> That's life before kids where you could be at the gym for three hour, hours a day. So this is me doing a Superman push-up by elevating my arms above my head with my feet off the floor at the beach on top of the ocean. As you can see, I cleared a very very good distance. So the the context of this picture, something that most people don't know, is that I was with my trainer that day and his physique is 10 times better than me. Right. And as we were taking the photos, there were a group of women lined up just to take a picture with him to the side. Right. At at that time here, I I was on vacation with my wife and I had an exciting year in my private practice. And and I just wanted to to take some time to kind of enjoy our accomplishment, spend some time together and as well, just enjoy Jamaica, man. Yes, I was going to say the haters going to say it's photoshopped because I definitely saw Not this. At I all. Said, oh, how do you photoshop this? But you, that's Not you. Right. That's all you. Go ahead, that's go ahead, me. man. Yes. In the grill. Yes. Go ahead. That was a good. That was a good choice for pictures. Well, let me see. What are we doing next? I, I'm all uh, 
trying to get back into we, the conversation. We, what were we just talking about? I'm trying to get yes. back to the conversation we just had. So thank you for participating in OU Blatchett. This was fun. But let's go back to that conversation we were talking about earlier when we were talking about... Yes. Ooh. Infidelity. Infidelity. And, so, and when you... So you said that infidelity is... Couples who are coming back from infidelity usually have the most transformation, right? Yes. What are, because in your work, you deal with not just infidelity, and then we talked a little bit about porn addiction, but there are other traumas that couples experience. So what are some of the things that you help, some of the big ticket items that you help couples work through? The word trauma has been so used in society nowadays that I just wonder what is trauma. If everything is trauma, then what is trauma, right? So I would, to me, I think that one, one of the most traumatic experiences that a couple may experience is infidelity. It, lit- it literally mimics the symptoms of somebody that has been at war for, for the past three years. And you are going to experience PTSD symptoms, which stands for post-traumatic stress disorder for up to five years. Right. So when the phone rings or when a text comes in or when they leave their home or when they go on vacation and et cetera, you're going to be experiencing these triggers for up to five years. And a lot of times what we see is that the crime will be done, but then we try to sanction what the time should look like. Oh, it's been three months. You should be over that by now. Or it's been two months, two years, and you're still bringing that that up. Like a lot of times I have to, to remind these couples that progress or healing is not linear. A lot of times you might take five steps forward, then 10 steps back the next day, right? You might catch a shoe just flying across your head just because they saw something on the television that reminded them of your infidelity, right? So it's being able to, one, provide that reassurance, engage in that conversation, and continue to put in place the necessary boundaries so trust can be built again. So personally, I really think that infidelity is one of the most traumatic things that a partner could ever experience. Because not only does it shatter your self-esteem, your view of yourself, it also shatters your social status, right? Because a lot of people, their relationships are out there. It's known. It's on social media. It's black love. It's this. It's that. Like we're a power couple. Now this has happened and people know, how am I going to be perceived? How am I going to be judged? And infidelity also impact women and men differently because women are taught by society to always try to keep their family together. So if a man cheats, he has, he has a greater possibility of keeping his family unified. But a, when a woman strays, men have been taught to replace women, right? We have been taught to remove the person that causes the injury. So a lot of times when a woman strays away, it's directly divorce because a man is not able to, one, take accountability for their role into the betrayal, but also being able to curb their ego and work through those emotions and being able to rebuild a relationship. Now, if you want to go further on, on a societal level is that most men tend to be the breadwinner. So if they do divorce, they're doing well financially. So it's no issue. It's no burden. 
a woman t- tends to take the higher the higher share of raising the children, yeah. right? So they're not as free because they got to take care of the kids, but they may not also make as much money, right? So not only is it impacting them financially, socially, but now they have more responsibilities because the, the kids tend to be with them most of the time, right? So there's a lot that goes into infidel- infidelity in the way that it impacts a relationship as well as how it is gender specific at times. That makes perfect sense. And you did say that one of the most transformative experiences that you realize couples have in your in your work has been infidelity. When does a, a person or couple know, or really a person know when, you know what, this is like a serial cheater. Like this person is not trying to rebuild after this. Like this keeps happening. Or how do how does how do you what would you advise someone of if they ask you that question, it was their personal experience of like, when is it time for me to just be like, okay, throw in a towel and <laughs> move on with your life? You know what I mean? That That is a great question. And my mind is like going, so which one are you going to go with? I have all these ideas on how to answer this, right? This happens a lot. My, my, my mind tends to race a lot at times. I would say there's two types of cheaters. There's the situational cheater. It's like a one-time thing, wrong place, wrong time, or just... It's a mistake that they could own up to and come and be honest about it and work to re-earn your trust versus a categorical cheater. Like that's just part of their character. They put themselves in places specifically to cheat, right? You might see them going on more boys' vacation than couples' vacation. They might stay out later or be part of certain scenes where relationship individual would be more careful of right so i would say it is it's these type of things but i would say the biggest red flag is the lack of accountability right if the cheating continues to happen over and over and over again and you're trying to make it work and it continues and you're choosing not to do things differently then that tells you everything that you need to know but a lot of times the partner that's being cheated on continues to try to make the relationship work. Then at that time, you got to ask them this question. What is it about you that's allowing them to treat you this way? What is it about you that makes you believe that this is acceptable and this is workable? What is it about you that you need to heal or change for you to be able to walk away and teach yourself that this is not what you deserve? Right? People only treat you based on what you allow them to to treat you. So a lot of times the work is not on your partner. The work is internal and starting that process. Real ass questions, okay? Yes. Yes. The motherfucking mic. Listen, I've I've been cursed out in sessions when when I asked those questions. I'm sure. (laughs) I've had people turn turn off the camera how dare you right i had a couple those are hard questions though they are yes. it's like yes. an ouch question mm-hmm. i just had a couple that that proposed on their last session during our session a few hours ago and they experienced infidelity and we've been working for about six months now and today was their last session my man got down on one knee and proposed They've been together for 15 wow. years, four children. Wow. My goodness. Man got that for one year with tears in his eyes and proposed. She said yes. Then after that, I asked him, 
out of all the places you think during Zoom is the way you wanted to do this, bro. Right. They get a that's photographer. Right. That's, that's, real. that's real. Come on, Pepper. Like, what's but happening? That says a lot about what they <laughs> built with you, though. They wanted you yes. to be part of that, I'm assuming, you know? That's yes. kind of, yeah. that's really special. Yeah. I but felt I feel honored. it at the same time. I feel <laughs> like, honored. Was yeah. your nails done? The photographer? <laughs> like, like, yeah. Her nails weren't done or nothing. I'm like, bro, come on, man. Come on, G. We gonna have to do this again. <laughs> that's real. That's real. <laughs> that's real. So okay. So this. So this particular couple had been together for all these years. Had worked through infidelity and gets to the point of proposal. Now, for our folks out there who are dating, right, and maybe haven't got to the point of being in a relationship yet, right? And we know it's an interesting world out here in these dating streets these days. So for our listeners out there, what questions would you recommend that people ask each other in the early stages of dating to determine if if this person really is a potential match? I like that. The self-help culture would say, hey, ask them, what do you bring to the table? I think that's the dumbest question you can ever ask a man because he's already prepared an answer. He already knows that's coming. Oh, you give me a chance to kind of boast about myself and to talk about my resume? Of course, right? But I, I, I do think that in the day, dating phase one, you should be dating multiple people. Right, not just one. Num- number two, especially for women, is stop waiting to be chosen and start being the chooser themselves. Right? Because the dating world was created by men for men. It was never created for women to succeed. It was created for men to succeed and eventually choose someone. While society has taught women to just be happy to be selected. Right. So I would say in, in terms of questioning and conversation is be more strategic, be more mindful of what you're asking is what demons have do you need to overcome? How have you prepared for a healthy relationship? What education have you engaged in to learn how to build a healthy relationship? Right. What are your shadows? I can see the social self. I, I can see how you're all dressed up, your beard's lined up, shape up is on point, you smell amazing, you drive a Tesla. That's all great. I can see the projection, but I want to see the part of yourself that most do not have access to. What does that look like? After a hard day of work, how do you behave? When the word no is stated to you, how do you take that? Right? Do you become angry? Right? Do you start show, showcasing narcissistic traits? Are you able to regulate yourself and your emotions? Right. I, f- I feel like there's there's a lot stronger conversations that we need to have as a people, as a community, to be able to decipher who is the right partner for you. Let's not jump the gun. Like couples that like this idea of love at first sight does not exist. This idea of soulmates does not exist, right? We really need to stop focusing, oh, I'm just trying to get married. Or I'm going to do this because I'm looking for a husband. Okay, after the marriage, then what? I'm looking for a life partner. 
I don't want a love story. I want a life partnership. A love story, it's a story. It ends. It's short-lived. Yes, it's full of romance and passion at first, but a life partnership encompasses a love story, right? So I think that we need we need to be more mindful of the type of conversations we're having. Also, we need to be more mindful of who we are allowing to give us information about dating and relationships. Not every prophet is created equal. You feel me? Like, Hell yeah. Like, Ooh, I'm just, yes. do you get that? Yes. 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 I'm just thinking about these questions, and I can guarantee that most people will not be ready for those goddamn questions. They're going to exactly. be having their mouth on the on the floor like, God damn, what she just asked me? Yeah. It's like a red, red flag alert. Like You can really identify yes. who someone is by asking those questions Correct. and how they respond. So yes. thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I appreciate these questions because I think what, like Terry said, like it points, it'll give you that space to point out those folks who are not right for you because you can see how they respond to you. Even if they don't necessarily get to the question right away, how their initial reaction to you asking those questions is also clues into who they are. Yes. And if you think about it, right, I always say this, right? If you go out as a woman, more than likely five guys are going to be attracted to you. Two of them are going to be very comfortable approaching you. Those are the two guys that you don't want nothing to do with. Because they're used to doing this. They're too Mm. comfortable doing this. Now you're in their wheelhouse. This, This is what they do. Now, your job is to put yourself in position so the other three guys that are shy or that that are not as confident are able to approach you as well, right? We have this mindset that men must make the first move. Or we tell women, no, you need to make the first move. But if we're being honest, women have made the first move forever, right? You do it through your body language. A man will only approach a woman that has verb that has inverb, un- non-verbally communicated to this man, hey, you can approach me. Let's go back to our club days, right? In my 30s, I'm talking about clubbing like 10, 12 years ago, right? A girl, a girl is dancing. She's throwing it back, she's twerking and et cetera. The whole room is watching and most of them want to go dance with her. You might see a few guys go and be and actually dance with her, right? Then two other guys might go and she just walks away from them. Why? Because she never communicated to those two guys that it's okay to come dance with me. That part. You get that? Yep. Yep. So it's, I've so it's done just, it. Yep. Exactly. So it's the same concept. Women have always made the first move, right? But I think what women tend to do is overestimate how smart us men are. <laughs> like we need four times the signs that you want us to approach you for us to approach you, especially nowadays, right? The movements of Me Too and and etc. Men are being more are seeking more cautious. consent and mm-hmm. being more cautious about Which their behavior. Thing. Of course. Yeah. So therefore, that means that your signals need to become clearer. Not just oh, I looked at them. Okay. <laughs> You gotta look at me, right? You gotta look. You gotta make that eye contact, and you gotta say, "Come here." Like that's what I used to do. Like I'd be like, 
I might have the eye contact, give a smile. And then if they still are like, not sure, then I'd be like, no, you mm-hmm. come here. Ooh, okay. I'm coming. I like or, that, right? I'm, like, I'm, a drink. I'm coming too, Dom. Okay. Yes. I'm about to call this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, real quick, Mac. I feel like we need to be ending the interview soon, and we will, I promise. But will you keep making you make it hard to? I want to keep asking questions, so I want to go back to submission real quick. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a bit about submission? You t- we talked about it earlier. It's the S word that gets people really uncomfortable. Right? People, are like, I ain't submitting to nobody. Talk about what does submission mean, and how can folks <laughs> submit to one another? What does that look like in a relationship? I submit to my wife daily, twenty four seven, and she does the same to me. And here's why. Submission is recognizing the power and being able to tell myself, okay, I'm going to meet all of your needs today. So whatever that is, whatever you don't communicate, as well as whatever you communicate to me, because we're in a partnership, right? Submission speaks more of being influenced, speak more of me being able to verbalize the positive things that you have done through the day. Each night, I tell my wife five things I appreciate that she did that day. Whenever we depart and reunite, we engage in a six-second kiss, right? So we find ways to continuously remain connected, whether in person or away from each other. I think this idea of submission has been weaponized, has been more gender-based, as opposed to being more fluid, right? In the church, would think submission as you do whatever your partner tell you to do. And as a man, you are the leader. But a lot of times, us men, we are quick to take credit for when things are going great. But when the relationship hits a speed bump or the ebbs and flows are happening, we don't take accountability for that. Right? We tend to say, you know, the relationship's doing great because I'm doing great. But it's also doing bad because you're doing bad. Right? And men also, on many occasions, have abused their power or or that concept of submission by oppressing their partners, right? So 70% of men that accept influence tend to have a healthier relationship. And the influence means, like, if I'm going to make a decision for my family or for myself, I have to talk to my wife first. I got to hear her perspective because she may have a different opinion or perspective that I have not yet to consider because it's a partnership, right? Let's stop saying I'm seeking a husband or wife. I'm seeking a partnership. Let's stop saying I'm trying to get married. No, I'm seeking a life partner, right? Forever till death do us part. Not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. A lot of times, death did you part because the relationship ended a long time ago. Your physical being is just still present, but there's no life in that relationship. So to me, submission is one, it's power, right? That's strength in being able to say, in being able to control my emotions and not yell when I'm frustrated, right? Not criticize when I really want to, but being able to regulate myself and my partner to a point where we can have a conversation. Not to have conflict, but being able to communicate. I I, I hear a lot of times men saying, yo, bro, Mac, what's up, man? I need my partner to have more sex with me. 
And I tell them this, at the end of the night, if she didn't give it to you, oh, let me not use give it to you. At the end of the night, if you are not successful in engaging in intimate acts with your partner, instead of blaming them, ask yourself, what is it that I did not do? How Ooh. did I not fill up their cup today that makes it less likely for me to have sex tonight? Right? Now, when you take that approach, then you become in control, right? And that's submission. Okay. So I, I didn't get it tonight. That's okay, babe. Watch tomorrow. You're going to be throwing it at me. You know why? Because I'm going to outlove you. Wake up. Here's your breakfast. Here's your lunch. I'll run you a bath. Here's, here's a glass of wine. Oh, the kids? Come on, give them to me. You go take a nap. It's showing up for your partner the way that they need you to not the way that's the most comfortable for you. So that's the distinction. Ooh. Damn, Ooh. that was good. Yes. Damn, okay, you, right? you dropping all the gems. Like, okay. Yes, yes. So I know that our listeners are like listening to this and they're like, damn. And they're writing things down because they're like, oh, I need to bring this up with my partner. So... Where can our listeners find you? Because we know they want more. So <laughs> where can they find you? It's a great question. On Instagram, of course, as Talk to Mac, Talk T A L K, the number two Mac, Mac M A C underscore therapist. My website is therapiesforeveryone.org. It's based out of New York. Um, I haven't been on social media that much nowadays because I feel like I'm loving my life to the point where I don't need anything else. So don't send a DM, but send an email so my assistant could reply to you and get the message back to me. If you send a DM, more, more than likely it's not going to be responded to. And I'm also in talks of starting a podcast, so we shall see. So there's a chance that you may be getting more content, more long-form content versus Instagram that's not paying you for your content. Amazing. This is so good. I was going to ask you, Mac, where your podcast at? But we'll, when you launch, we'll have to have you come back for your launch and, you know, send people I, 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 over I, I the I actually podcast. would love to fly in so we could have an in-person episode. I saw, I saw you on yes. other podcasts saying, like, we need to do this yeah. in person. All right, let's do it. I would Pull love up. that. Yeah, let's and do we're it. We'll make it work. We'll make yeah, it happen. I should, yes. I should be in LA in September. So Okay. okay. Once, once I get the dates, I'll, I'll reach out to you guys. Let us know. This was so awesome, Mac. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E. B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D dot com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider.
If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at cultivatingherspace.com. And be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. Just because I can do it all doesn't mean I have to do it all.